What up, everybody on the planet listening today, or tonight, or this morning, or whatever. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I'm Reviewing Here, a podcast where I, Matthew Bussey, watch and review sight and sounds top greatest movies of all time. I'm getting closer to number one. No, I'm not. I have like 200... 200? Yeah, actually, I think I have literally at least... 150 to 200 more movies. Oh my god. Some of these movies I've already seen, but a lot of them I haven't even heard of. A lot of them I've seen once in like college when I was a nerdy little film student who, you know, didn't know what he was doing and everybody kept telling him that, you know, you gotta, you gotta intern and you don't, yeah. Oh man, don't get me started about college. I've read a book about college, but it's not for sale though because everybody would uh, sue me probably because I didn't change any of the names. But if you come into my house... I'll let you read it. My address is... Just kidding. Um, yes, this concludes Paris Week. I announced that this is Paris Week at... I'm reviewing here because the previous movie, last episode, had Paris in the title. And this... Uh, the film for today has Paris in the title. And it also has nothing to do with Paris. 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 Like, you know, the city. Paris. Paris, France. Yeah. Um, this is a very, very famous... Uh, critically acclaimed indie film. I would definitely call it an indie film. It's by a very uh, revered director named Vim Vendors. And uh, of course, I did not know that his name was pronounced Vim Vendors and not Wim Wenders. And I had known that since, you know, years ago. No, I literally just found out that his name is not Wim. It's Vim. He's German. Vim. You know, like V... Wie viele Französische Studenten haben Sie am Donnerstag? Oh my god, I remember that from my one year of German class. How many French students do you have on Thursday? I don't know why I said that. I just like Französische Studenten. Französische Studenten. Französische Studenten. Wie keine... I don't know any other German. Anyway, uh, this movie is not German, though. This movie is English. It is uh, German-made. It's European-made. But it is entirely in Anglais. English. Inglesia. Or doesn't that mean church? No, that's Iglesia. English, that's what I meant to say. This, there's no language in this movie apart from English, so shut up, okay? To myself. Ow. Okay, today we are gonna, I am gonna, I always say we because I'm lonely. I am gonna talk about Paris, Texas. The, the, the movie, not the place. I first saw you this time at Waltz. Hmm. I was hoping to show you that I was your father. You showed me I was. Ha ha ha, we have two fathers. Just lucky, I guess. I can never heal up what happened. I can't even hardly remember what happened. It's like a gap. Uh, have you seen Jane or talked to her? <laughs> we thought you were dead, boy. How long have I been gone, do you know? Four years. Is four years a long time? It is for a little boy. There will be no safety zone. I can guarantee you the safety zone will be eliminated. What's out there? I gotta go away now. Why? Because I'm gonna find her. How's it going? I wanna find her too. I knew these people, they were in love with each other. She's leaving the bank. 
kind of raggedy and wild. And she was very beautiful, you know? And he, he loved her more than he ever felt possible. The winner of the Golden Palm at the Cannes Film Festival and one of the most acclaimed films of the decade. Harry Dean Stanton, Nastasia Kinski, Dean Stockwell, Aurore Clément, and introducing Hunter Carson. Paris, Texas. Is there something, I don't know, is there something I can do for you? Paris, Texas. I, I don't like that trailer. I, don't, don't be turned away from that trailer. Yes, this is a bit of a slow movie. It is a slow burn. It is a long movie, too. It's over two and a half hours long. Uh, it is a slow burn. It is a slow burn, but it is a very good slow burn. This is just plain and simple, a very moving motion picture. It's about fathers and sons. It's about family. It's about the desert. It's about... A very lovable, quiet, but frustratingly quiet man redeeming himself. And it's beautifully done. I think, you know, the strength of Paris, Texas is just in the script, the script itself and the cinematography, you know, and the performances, yada, yada, yada. But I think in general, Paris, Texas, you know, reigns as one of the greatest movies of all time because of its script. It, there is just something about it. It's one of those scripts that has characters that are so relatable and believable and the, stories, the story is believable and it just hits you on every emotional level. Now, I should give you a little bit of backstory. So Vim Vendors is the director of this movie and he's considered to be, surprised one of the best directors ever, of course, because why then his movie wouldn't be on Saint Sounds List. But Vim Vendors is also very popular because he was a pioneer of new German cinema I know you're probably so tired of hearing new and then a nationality and then uh, cinema. Yes, a lot of film movements. New German cinema is one of them. I've gone over neorealism. I've gone over the French New Wave. Have I gone over the French New Wave? Probably. I've gone over new Argentine cinema. And yes, now there is a new one to talk about, new German cinema. I won't talk too much about it, but basically, and I actually have not seen a lot of uh, new German cinema movies, uh, but it's very, very similar to the French New Wave, if not the exact same, except in a different language. New German cinema, you know, the movies are very low budget. There's not a lot of big actors in them. And the scripts are very freeing. And they're very, uh, yeah, that's not the right word. What am I trying to say? They're movies just about everyday life and everyday circumstances. I think that's the best way to describe New German cinema and, and French New Wave. You know, that's... that's um what they're known for. Now, Vim Vendors is one of many directors who contributed to that movement. Uh, he directed another movie called Wings of Desire, which is coming up on this list. That's in a few weeks, I think I reviewed that. He also did a movie called Pina. It came out in 2011, I think. Yeah, 2011. It is a 3D documentary about this famous choreographer named Pina Bosch, I believe is how you say her name. And I just remember seeing this in college and it was one of the coolest 3D movies I'd seen. And, you know, 2011, that was the year of the 3D craze because of Avatar and Alice in, Never Alice in Neverland. No, that's a different movie. Alice in Wonderland <laughs> and Clash of the uh, Titans and Toy Story 3. You know, all those friggin' movies that were getting released in 3D, but it was really just a, you know, a money grab. Pina is a movie that Vim Vendors did that was so extraordinary because it treated 3D like it should be treated, which is art. 
3D is meant to be artistic. It's meant to be, wow, cool. It's like it's actually coming out of the screen. Not, oh, wow, cool. I'm just going to spend six extra dollars and it's going to look the exact same, if not dimmer. You know, the quality is just going to look dimmer. Anyway, yeah, I have a lot to say about the 3D craze. That drove me up a wall. But um, uh, Peanut, I just loved. It's one of, like, my favorite uh, dance movies, and no one's ever heard of it. It came and went. But yes, Paris, Texas is probably, in my opinion, considered to be Vim Vender's most acclaimed movie. Like, when you study film, you always see Paris, Texas. You always see the red in the movie. You know, red is a big motif in this film. You always see those shots of uh, Nastasia Kinski, who is in the movie, and you see the shot of Harry Dean Stanton wearing that red hat, you know, and, and uh, it's just, it's a, it's become a very iconic film in the indie world and in indie cinema, that is, you know, and, and, um, I, I, I loved it. I really did love it. Yeah. And again, it all has to really just do with the plot, which we're going to get into right now. Plots and ups. Here we go. Allons-y. That's French. How do you say how, here we go in German? I don't know. Gehen. Wie gehen sie? No, I, I'm not getting right. Okay, anyway, this movie's not German. I can't shut up about it. I'm sorry. Travis Henderson. Travis Henderson, played by Harry Dean Stanton. Harry Dean Stanton, uh, also, I don't, just really quickly, he was a very prolific actor. He was in a lot of movies. He passed away in uh, 2017. He lived to be 91 years old. He was in a ton of films. He was in uh, some David Lynch movies. He was in The Last Temptation of Christ. He was in Pretty in Pink. He was in Pretty in Pink? I don't remember that. I've only actually seen the movie once. He was in The Godfather Part Two. He was an alien. He gets killed by the alien in Alien, just like everybody else in Alien, except for Sigourney Weaver in Alien. Uh, people in fifth grade used to tell me that I look like Sigourney Weaver. <sighs> anyway, uh, Travis Henderson, he is played tremendously by Harry Dean Stanton. He is wandering through the West Texas desert, bewildered and holding an empty gallon water jug. He wanders into a convenience store, opens a freezer, and starts eating ice before losing consciousness. A doctor examines Travis and discovers that he is mute. The doctor goes through Travis's wallet and finds a card with a phone number on it. He calls the number, which belongs to Walt Henderson, Travis's brother. Walt is played by Dean Stockwell, who was a huge actor. He was in Anchors Away, uh, which was, I remember that was like one of the first movies I watched as a kid. It always comes to mind. I didn't like it, but uh, he was like a little baby in that. He acted alongside Gene Kelly. Yes. Big actor. A lot of big actors on this list. Okay. Walt travels from Los Angeles to Terlingua, Texas, to pick up Travis, whom he had presumed was dead after not hearing from him for four years. Walt's wife, Anne, played by Aurore Clément, not a lot of actors in this movie, too. I should mention that. Uh, Anne, uh, Walt's wife, is worried since she and Walt had adopted Travis's son, Hunter, as Hunter's biological mother, Jane, had been out of his life for years. Walt finds Travis wandering miles down the road from the clinic. So you're wondering, like, what is up with this Walt? What, what is going on with Walt? Why is he catatonic? You know, what is he mentally ill? So you don't really know this. The brothers begin their road trip back to Los Angeles. Walt grows increasingly frustrated with Travis's muteness and confronts him about his disappearance and abandonment of Hunter. Hunter is played by uh, a, a boy also named Hunter Carson, who we see later. 
at the mention of Hunter, Travis begins to cry, but still does not speak. The following day, Travis finally begins to speak. He can talk. and produ- He's not mute. And produces a photo of a plot of land explaining that he purchased a property in Paris, Texas, which does exist. The place. It's a city. Never been there. Don't really have a desire to go to Texas, but, you know, we'll see. The brothers arrive in Los Angeles where Walt and Anne own a house in the Verdugo Hills overlooking the Burbank Airport. There, Travis is reunited with Hunter, who has little recollection of his father and is initially timid around him. He's a little boy. He's like 10, 12 in this movie. Walt shows Hunter old home videos of them and Jane, and after after persistence by Travis, Hunter grows comfortable around his father. Oh, it's so sweet. Anne tells Travis in confidence that Jane deposits monthly payments into a bank account for Hunter and that the bank is in Houston. Travis becomes determined to find Jane and tells Hunter that he must leave the following night. Jane is played by Nastasia Kinski. Nastasia Kinski. Nastasia Kinski. Nastasia Kinski. I always thought it was Natasha Kinski. I think that's the American, you know, way to say it, but... She is a German actress. She's very, very well-known in the European cinema world. She was in uh, a movie by Roman Polanski called Tess that she's, I think, most famous for, which I have not seen. And she did a movie called Cat People, erotic movie. Also haven't seen it. Anyway, uh, Travis becomes determined to find Jane and tells Hunter that he must leave the following night. Hunter tells Travis that he wants to accompany him, though they do not have Walt's and Anne's permission. Travis and Hunter, nevertheless, embark on a road trip to Houston with the two of them bonding and growing closer. They arrive at the bank on the day of the expected deposit and plan to locate Jane's car. Hunter spots Jane making a drive-in deposit, and they follow her car to a peep show club where she works. Travis goes inside while Hunter waits in the car. The peep show is designed Designed so that customers sit on one side of a one-way mirror with a telephone intercom to the performer. This is a really famous scene in the movie. When Jane enters the room, Travis is unable to speak and soon leaves without saying, oh, it's actually the next scene. <coughs> Sorry, getting ahead of myself. Is unable to speak and soon leaves without saying more than a few words to her. Travis is angry, drives to a bar, and drinks while Hunter complains. The following day, Travis leaves Hunter at a hotel and goes to Jane's workplace. In Jane's room, he turns his chair so that it faces away from her. On the phone, listen carefully to this. This is the famous scene. I'm sorry. On the phone, he tells her a vague story about a man and a younger woman who met quickly fell in love with each other, got married, and had a child. Jane is initially confused, but soon realizes that it is Travis. Kind of obvious. We know, of course. Uh, He tells her that after the child was born, the wife suffered from postpartum depression, becoming irritable and yearning for an escape. She would have dreams about running naked down a highway, but just as she was about to finally leave, he would appear and stop her. The now alcoholic husband, fearing his wife's departure, tied a cow this is so random, tied a cowbell to her foot so he would be able to hear her if she left in the night. On one night, the wife, having stuffed socks in the cowbell to muffle the sound, successfully snuck out, uh, though the husband caught her and dragged her back home. He tied her to a stove with his belt and went to bed. Yikes. When he woke up, the house was on fire and the wife and child were gone. Jesus Christ, shit, man. Yeah, this is like, okay, so obviously that is what happened between Travis and Jane and it is dramatic and really bad, of course. So you wonder, you guess now, you understand now, excuse me, why Travis is a mess and mute you know, was mute for so long and he just wants to make amends with his his wife, you know, and also bring together his wife and, and their son, Hunter, you know, because he needs his mom. 
Jane turns the light off on her side and finally sees Travis. Oh, this moment was so good. She expresses pain and regret over missing Hunter's childhood. Travis tells Jane that Hunter is in Houston waiting for her and gives her Hunter's room number. Jane and Hunter are reunited while Travis watches from the parking lot. He drives away, smiling to himself. The end. The music in this movie is really, really good. Um, so there's a lot to say about this movie. There's a, there's a lot to interpret. Uh, the strengths of the movie, hands down, are with the script, with the performances, definitely 100% with the performances. I mean, without the performances, this movie would not work. Kinski in the movie, you know, she was already very... Uh, 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 popular at the time when this movie came out. She's actually not in this movie a lot. And her face is on every poster of this movie and every shot. If you Google Paris, Texas, she is everywhere. She permeates your screen. She's not in this for very long, but even when she is on, it's so, her performance is so chillingly brilliant in this film because, you know, she did mess up. He did mess up. You know, they're both flawed people. He as in Travis, you know, Jane and Travis, know that they made mistakes, but, you know, vendors in this film, he does not portray Jane as being a horrible, horrible mother or anything like that. You know, she is so fragile in this film. It's, it's moving. It's just very, very moving. And I, I should mention too, that I actually did not know this. This movie was written by Sam Shepard. Sam Shepard, 
was an actor in, uh, he's, in my opinion, most famous for this movie called Days of Heaven, but he also was married to Jessica Lange, and he was, uh, uh, what's his name's dad in The Notebook, Ryan Gosling's dad in The Notebook. What was his name? Oh, Noah, Noah, yeah, Noah, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, he wrote this movie, which I did not know. He also was in August Osage County, amazing movie, go see it. Uh, and uh, yeah, he wrote it along with LM, this uh, guy named L.M. Kit Carson, L.M. Kit Carson, whose son, Hunter Carson, plays Hunter in the movie. Fun little trivia there. Yeah, I mean, great performances, amazing cinematography by uh, Robbie Mueller is his name. He was a Dutch cinematographer. The use of colors in the film is brilliant. Uh, the peep show sequence is just absolutely gorgeously filmed. It is a slow burn. It is a slow burn. It's not really for everyone. But, you know, there's not a single character in this movie that I just, I felt sympathy, I, I didn't feel sympathy for, you know? I, I felt sympathy for everybody. I felt sympathy for Walt and Anne because, you know, Travis is, is so frustrating to be with because you don't really know what he wants and he wants to do things that you can't just do every at the click of your fingers you know you can't just go to houston like that you know you can't just disappear for all those years but they're not villains there aren't any villains in this film and you know it's kind of the same with hunter you know hunter at first is very you know, wants nothing to do with his dad at all, but he's not a little brat or anything like that. And I think the way he's portrayed, the way he slowly starts to look up to his father, it's so sweet. It's so poignantly done. There's not a big moment of him going like, Daddy, I'm glad you're back. It's not. It's it's very realistically done. You know, kids... You can tell when kids like somebody and when they don't like somebody, you know, and you can also, at least I've seen this, like you can see when kids start to turn to people that originally they were shy around, you know, it's not one thing, it's it's just little things, you know, and Hunter Carson's performance <clears throat> is so good because his body language is so precise in the film, you know, there's like little things he does, he's like, he's like a... He's like a, like a, like a scared puppy, like slowly crawling towards you on a couch. Wow. That just came to mind. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. So, um, yeah. And I think, again, just the script. I think the script is, a, it's a story that could happen. It's a story that anybody can, I, I think it's a story that anybody can sympathize with. It's a story that can appeal to anybody. It's a drama. This is just drama at its very, very finest. I don't know how else to say it. Just a great drama. Sometimes, guys, you know, there, you watch a movie and there's a lot of great things about it, but you ask what's great about it and you just say, it's just a great drama. It's just a great movie. Great movie. Long. It is long, but amazing. Absolutely amazing. BTS Secrets and Scandals. This movie was filmed in four to five weeks. Which isn't that surprising. I mean, it's a, it's a small movie with a lot of talking. I don't see why it would take a while to film. But you never know. There are some directors who are were notorious for making projects 
with not a lot of, you know, action in them. Very, very difficult. Anyway, this movie premiered at the Cannes Film Festival. I won the Palme d'Or, which is a very, very big prize. If you win the Palme d'Or, you can sit at the cool girl table. Yeah, basically. Uh, a little eh, kind of interesting trivia regarding Sam Shepard and Vim Vendors. So Sam Shepard, like I said, he was a um, an actor. He had originally met with Vendors to potentially write uh, Vendors' new film, which was called Hammett? Hammett. 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 H-A-M-M-E-T-T. I haven't seen it. It came out in 1982. But uh, Shepard was not not interested. Uh, So the two instead came up with the idea for this film. And then, you know, L.M. Kit Carson, who I'm not familiar with, he came in a little bit later. Big trivia, big scandal. It's not a scandal. Nothing happened that I could find, of course. But Harry Dean Stanton and and Nastasia Kinski, that's so hard to say. I'm never going to get that right. They were uh, 35 years apart in age. I know, age is just a number, but... um, she does look very, not old, but she doesn't look as young as she was in this movie. Makeup, I think. Yeah. There's something about Nastasia Nastasia Kinski. Okay, fuck me. I cannot say this goddamn name. Kinski. I'm just going to call you Kinski. I'm sorry, Nastasia. Nast- All right, I can't do this shit anymore. Kinski, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Um, there's something about Kinski, though. She's just absolutely beautiful. I mean, she was a model, too. So, yeah, gorgeous. Oh, the other thing, too, that is... Um, I mean, kind of cool, I guess, was film, well, not cool, but I don't know. Uh, Filming started while the screenplay for this movie was not even completed yet, which is kind of like, that's insane. So, and also Sam Shepard, he had already moved on to do another job because, you know, he wrote, sometimes they write the screenplay and then they're like, that's it, do what you want with it, you know, but sometimes they like to stay on and see how it works. He actually credits Vendors and uh, Carson, L.M. Kit Carson, with the idea of the peep show and the story's final acts. He actually says that Dean Stockwell, oh no, I'm sorry, he, according to Dean Stockwell, in addition, his character in early drafts was intended to travel with Hunter, Travis, and Anne before Anne turned back to Los Angeles and Walt became lost in the desert, paralleling Travis in the first scene. That is how originally it was in the script. I am so glad they changed that because that doesn't really make any sense. This isn't a movie about Travis and and um, Walt. It's not really a movie about brothers. I mean, that's a theme in the movie, and Walt does play a big role in this film, but I don't understand that. I don't understand the... the correlation between i get it it's the same it parallels walt being lost in the desert at first but it it doesn't work it ends up being like wait so the movie's not meant to be about travis's redeeming arc as a character with reuniting his wife with their son it's meant it's now going to switch over to travis anyway it did not end this way thank the lord and there wasn't even filmed or anything so uh yes but the peep show, which, like I said, is considered, you know, the most famous scene in the movie, was uh, basically Vendor's and Ellen Kit Carson's idea. So, Sam, you didn't do it. So, well, I mean, he admitted that he didn't write it, but yeah. G- kind of crazy, I guess. The best moment the peep show scene, definitely. Also, this is not a dirty scene. There's there, there's nothing dirty at all in this movie. I think it's PG-13. Is it PG-13? It's a PG-13. I do believe it is PG-13. I forgot to take note of that. 
Um, yes, it was. Why? I'm sorry. Type, time out, time out, time out. This is just going to drive me crazy. No, it was not PG-13. It was rated R. They don't even curse in this film. Do they curse? What was it rated R for? Ridiculous. Okay, this movie is very appropriate. Unless, like, in the Peep Show, there was, like, nudity that I didn't catch. But, um, okay, Peep, anyway, it's rated R. The Peep Show scene is the best scene in the movie because it is the most moving moment. And if you just look at Kinski's face when Stanton is telling the story about, you know, the husband and the wife and the baby and the postpartum depression and the the cowbell... (laughs) I know the cowbell does make me laugh. It does make me laugh. When you just see Kinski's face and you just see her change very slowly from what to, oh my God, it's him. It's, it's my husband. It's Travis. You know, it's, oh, it's so good. I get the chills every time. Mais est-ce que je suis d'accord avec les critiques de ce film? The movie was panned when it came out. No, I'm totally lying. The movie was amazing when it came out. It was on a lot of critics. Uh, uh, praise list. I was going to say top 10 list, but I don't really know. I didn't see if this was on that many critics list. I think it was on Roger Ebert's top 10 list for the year it came out. But Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian, anyway, everybody loved it. Peter Bradshaw from The Guardians uh, called Paris, Texas, an eerie, sad story whose meaning disappears over the vast horizon as if on a highway heading away through the desert. I like that because I really like how the desert is a character in itself in this film. I really like it is essential. This is almost like a Western in a way, you know, there's something about the desert, you know, and like the desolate, desolate settings in films are so good for dramas because it's like the characters have nowhere to hide. You know, they have nowhere to go. They have to face and accept their fate, you know, boom. You agree with me, right? I mean, that I think is why deserts are so popular in, in movies like Paris, Texas, because and in a lot of Westerns too, you know, the desolation, when there's desolation, the only result, the only solution is truth. Wow. I got to write a book someday uh, about this. Marsha McCready from Arizona Republic said the movie belongs to Stanton, of course, and it's hard to think of any other actor who can go from Chaplin-like outcast to tragic hero in the space of a, f- of a feature film. He is very much like Charlie Chaplin in this film. He is very much like Charlie Chaplin in the beginning, but less creepy. Charlie Chaplin, go read about him. Great guy, a great comedian, you know, of course, comedian. Guy, I may have to take that back. Read about him some scandals there. Anyway, Kathleen Carroll from the New York Daily News says, said, past tense, what separates Paris, Texas from most of today's movies is its genu- is its gentle humanism. Humanism is the word I was looking for that I forgot. Humanism is this movie. It, it, it is, and gentle, gentle humanism defines this movie. It's about the humanism in people, you know? Sheila Benson from the Los Angeles Times called Paris, Texas, a deeply affecting film about family, separation, loss, and a man's last act of repentance. Repentance, redemption, RRR, not a movie that is related to this film at all, but go check it out, but don't watch it on Netflix because it's dubbed, ugh, is it really one of the best movies of all time? (coughs) Oh my god, I just choked in my saliva. Um, I... I love this movie. It is so well done. I don't know if it's one of the best movies. I don't know if it stands out 
that much as one of the best movies of all time. It is a fantastic drama. I'm going to leave it open and say IDFK. I don't freaking know. I don't know. I'm it's it's the 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 um what did lawyers say? The jury's out, the jury's open, the case is open. I don't know. It, it, what, I don't I don't do lawyer shows. Lawyer jargon, I mean. I, lawyer shows. I just said lawyer show because Ally McBeal uh, is one of my favorite shows, and they recently um, highlighted it at the Golden Globes. And was it the Golden Globes or the Emmys? I think it was the Emmys. Crap. And I missed the Emmys. That's probably why I don't know. I don't know if this is one of the best. I'm For right now, I'm going to say no. I think it's a great movie. Not one of the best. Short answer. The end. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. And go check out this movie, Paris, Texas. Go check out indie films. They are really, really good. I know you have to kind of be in the right mood sometimes. You do have to be in the right mood for Paris, Texas. I do agree. But it will absolutely move you. It may even move you to tears. And it may make you want to move physically to the south because it's hot there. And um, I don't know about Texas, but you know, maybe other places. Anyway, thank you all for tuning in. I'll see you next time. And in the meantime, I'm going to end with this. Get off your couch and go to the goddamn movies, okay? I don't care if you have to get up early. Go. Just go. Make your dreams come true, as Shia LaBeouf says. Okay. Go ahead. Go to the movies. Please do it. I Stop sitting down and just go. Please do it. Do it. Okay. All right. I'm going to go eat some pizza now. Bye-bye. Oh, you made it. You made it. You made it. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of I'm Reviewing Here. New episodes drop Tuesdays and Fridays. You can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to follow me on Instagram at I'm Reviewing Here. You can also subscribe on YouTube. New episodes drop there the same day they drop on the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Please leave a review if you'd like. Be mean. Be nice. Hit on me. I don't really care. Candor really, really is important to me. And, you know, it helps the podcast too. So uh, I really hope you enjoyed it. This podcast is brought to you especially by Nervous Chuckles. That is my fake production company because I make people nervously chuckle all the time because they never know if I'm telling a joke or not. So they're always like, <laughs> oh, do I laugh? Do I not laugh? Is he serious? Is he insane? Did he get out of the, the loony? What's going on? So if I made you nervously chuckle, then that means that I did my job. And thank you. There is uh, no funding for this podcast, but if you want to give me money, then uh, yeah, like hit me up. DM me. Bye-bye.